Here comes Mr. Kitzel. Starring Artie Auerbach as the one and only Mr. Kitzel. Oh, oh, oh. With the pickle in the middle and the mustard on top. Just the way you like it and the whole red hat. Mr. Kitzel. Mr. Kitzel. He's the answer to your clamor for a fresh new radio show. Hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to a new little mini set that I'm going to play for you the next month or so of Eddie Cantor. And the reason I'm bringing you Eddie Cantor, well, there's lots of reasons, actually. I was like, I was listening to this and going, how can I not bring this in? Uh, here's the deal. First of all, uh, these episodes, the original reason I listened to them is that they're the, as far as I can tell, the very first episodes anywhere to feature um, Artie Arbach as uh, the prototype for Mr. Kitzel. I don't believe he's called Mr. Kitzel yet during these actual shows, but I thought I brought you the earliest ones last year with, um, let's see, the Jack Haley show. But actually, the Jack Haley show was the following season after this. He was on four episodes of Eddie Cantor, and then disappeared until he was showed up on uh, the Jack Haley show. Uh, so one of the other reasons I'm bringing you this show is um, the singing sensation it has on it is Bobby Breen. And Bobby Breen was discovered when he was five, and folks loved his singing voice. And at this point, he is nine and a half, and he was born the exact same year as my father. So if my father had been listening to this, he'd be listening to it when he was nine and a half, which is pretty cool. So I'm bringing it to you for that reason, and, and Bobby's got this great voice. And then on top of that, I'm also bringing it to you because there's a lot of talk in this episode and the next episode, the next two episodes, um, about Gone with the Wind and who they're going to cast. And and we don't realize how big of a thing this was. Hall of Hollywood was kind of consumed with who they were going to cast in Gone with the Wind. And so it's just kind of fun to hear all of this going on. So enjoy this episode of the Andy Cantor Show. WABC, New York. the 45,000 dealers who serve you with fire seeds, gasoline, and other Texaco products present his honor, the mayor of Texaco town, Eddie Cantor. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Hello, Jimmy. Say, Eddie, I missed you at rehearsal this morning. Why weren't you here? Oh, Jimmy, I had a visit my uncle in the hospital. In the hospital? What happened to him? Oh, it's awful, Jimmy. You know, he works in New Mexico. Yeah. Well, they call a sit-down strike down there, and that ruined him. Now, wait a minute. The sit-down strike ruined him? Yeah, he works in the cactus plant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
funny, James. You know, my uncle expected you in the hospital on Monday. He expected me in the hospital on Monday? Yeah, he heard you sing Sunday. Oh, listen here, after all. You know, you're all jealous of me singing. Yeah. This year's crop of kisses were never meant for me. (laughs) Well, listen. Yep. Tell you what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to read this telegram I got from a Japanese admirer. You would read it. Go ahead, read it. Yeah, all right. Now, listen. Dear Mr. Wallington, your voice is really something. Signed, We Hop Your Chucky. Yeah, let me see the telegram. That's not We Hop Your Chucky. It says, We Hope You Choke, You Fool. <laughs> now, remember here. Wow. Remember, I didn't sing alone. You and Renard were part of that trio. That's right. Me, 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 me. Me, 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 me. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Jack Renard, what are you doing? Well, I've been taking lessons, Eddie. Listen. Yeah. When my dream boat comes home. <laughs> Wait a minute, Jack. Jack, wait a minute. What is that? Woo, woo. I'm lost in a fog. Get away. (laughs) You're lost altogether. You don't sing right, Jack. When you sing, you should throw out your diaphragm. You mean like this? No, 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 no. Renard, your diaphragm is your stomach. Why are you throwing out your chest? Well, can I help it if they come together? Get out if they come together. All right, go away. Go away and practice. Go ahead. Me, 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 yeah, me. Yeah, go ahead. Practice, hey, Eddie, go ahead. Eddie, why have him practice? If you let him sing, you're a dope. Jimmy, if you think you can sing, you're a dope. Well, I may not be able to sing, but I am a dope. I mean, you're a dope. Well, make up your mind, Jimmy. Who is the dope? Me, 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 me. For once, for once, Bernard is right. For once, he's right. I beg your pardon. Are you mayor Cantor? Uh, yes, sir. What can I do for you, sir? My name is Bentley. I'm from Harvard University. Our paper, The Crimson, would like to do an article on how you prepare a radio program each week. Well, thank you, Mr. Bentley. That's quite an honor. Now, I'll do the best I, I can to show you. Have you met Jimmy Wallington? Uh, no, but I've heard of him. You graduated from Union College, didn't you, Mr. Wallington? You bet I did. That's right. Jimmy has a degree. A degree? I've got four of them. I work for an A.B., a B.S., an A.M., and a Ph.D. Yeah, and if it wasn't for Texaco, you'd be working for the P.W.A. <laughs> Mayor Cantor, building your radio program must be a tough job because you give the people a full hour's entertainment in 30 minutes. Well, it's not a one-man job, Mr. Bentley. My writers are working right next door. Right now, would you like to look in on them? Yes, I would. These boys of mine work day and night to get out the joke. Something good. They've got to get their point. Here's the room. Let's go in. All right. No, no, that's not the right point. See, didn't I tell you? Your point is nine. Here's the dice. You see what point they're after? You see that? Boys, boys, here's a gentleman who's come all the way from Harvard to watch us work. Harvard? I've got a great gag for that. You can't eat your cake in Harvard, too. Get it? (laughs) Quiet, quiet. I'm trying to show Mr. Bentley how we build a program. Now, first we try to get an opening joke that's topical. I got it. Boss, here's a great joke for next Easter. Next Easter? Read the joke, boss. It's a wild one. All right. A man bought an Easter rabbit, and the first day it presented him with four little rabbits. It just missed Dion's record by a hair. (laughs) (laughs) How do you like that joke, boss? It it may be funny, but it might offend somebody. Well, I don't see how that joke could offend anybody. Mr. Bentley, there isn't anything that you do in radio that wouldn't offend someone. For instance, if you had a joke where you say, I'm not sending my shirts out to the laundry, I tear the buttons off myself. That would offend the entire laundry industry. It would? Why? Well, first, because it isn't true. And secondly... But you just say it as a joke. Yes, but some people take jokes seriously. You must be careful. For instance, laundries make deliveries by truck. 
Trucks use gasoline. What are we selling on this program? Fire chief. Do you get the idea, Mr. Bensler? Well, I never thought, I mean... Of course you didn't. Tonight I could say on this program, I like apple pie. And somebody would send me a letter saying, fine thing, Cantor. You like apple pie. My brother's got a pineapple plantation in Hawaii. Why don't you give him a break? You see what I mean? You must get a joke that pleases everyone. Then I got it. Yep. Look, Gypsy Rose Lee, the strip dancer, is flying to Hollywood. How do you know she's flying? A friend of mine in New York saw her taking off. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty bad. Eddie. Yeah. Eddie, here's a couple of pies I just sent down for the boys to eat while they're working. Oh, yeah? That gives me an idea. Wait, wait, I know, I know. Cantor hits Renard with a pie. No, 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 Renard hits Cantor no, with no, a pie. No, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Huh? Boy, boy, that's no good. Throwing pies is fun in the studio. And no fun for the people listening in, is that it? That's right. Mr. Bentley, when you do anything funny on a radio program, it must be understood by the people in their homes as well as in the studio. Oh, now, Eddie, that's silly. If anyone else on this program does something to you, the people must laugh. Yeah? For instance, you want this top button on your coat? Certainly I want it. All right. There it is. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You tore my button off. Well, the audience laughed, didn't they? And if they tear off the next button, they laugh again, don't they? <laughs> but, Mr. Wallington, that hardly seems necessary. Don't worry, Mr. Bentley. I'll explain it to him. Jimmy? Yeah? Tearing off my button wasn't really funny because you didn't explain it to the people listening in. You must always tell them what you're doing. For instance, if I take one of these pies and hit you in the face with it like this, that's no good. (laughs) You see? You see, Jimmy? You see, Jimmy? It's only funny to the people here in the studio. But if I take the other pie here and say, Jimmy, do you want this apple pie? No, no, no. Then I'll put this one back in your pan. That's different, Jimmy. See what I mean? <laughs> Mr. Bentley? Mr. Bentley, and for the benefit of the Harvard Crimson, you might say... That on this program, we never take up more than one minute to tell the people about our product. Jimmy, we're timing you. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the Texaco dealers from coast to coast, may I ask you to fill up your tank with Fire Chief gasoline. You'll find it quick-starting, efficient, economical in your car in any weather. And here is proof. You have only to check the experience of tourists to prove that gasolines are not alike. Tourists have the opportunity to try many different gasolines. Naturally, they okay the one that gives them the greatest return for their money. And tourists have okayed Fire Chief's emergency performance by buying more Fire Chief than any other single brand of gasoline. Profit by the example of tourists, traveling salesmen, people everywhere who do a lot of driving. Stop at the sign of the Red Texaco Star. Fill up with Fire Chief. Remember, Fire Chief costs you no more than the gasoline you are now using. Well, that's selling gasoline, Mr. Cantor. You're right, Mr. Bentley. Now... Now we bring our listening audience a truly inspiring interpretation of the classic Hebrew chant, Ailey Ailey, as sung by Bobby Breen. Ailey, 
in fire and flame, old men in beautiful renditions of that world-famous classic that I have ever heard. It is really difficult to believe that Bobby Breen is only nine and a half years old. That's all he is. But if you want to see the remarkable brain of a 60-year-old, listen to the gab of the telephone operator in Texaco Town. Hello, Mayor Candor's office. Oh, hello, Walpole. Huh? You're over to the beauty parlor getting what? A mud pack. Oh, I see. You're taking in the good earth. Well, what are you getting picked up for? What party? Oh, your brother Irwin is getting out of the fifth grade. A coming out party? Is he graduating? Huh? His youngest daughter's getting married. No, Opal, we can't come on account of Pa's still sick from Easter. Oh, uh, hello, operator. Uh-oh, hold the line, Opal. Hello, Mayor Cantor. Did I hear you say your father's still sick from Easter? Yeah. He has so many eggs that every time he sees a piece of ham, he wants to lay down beside us. <laughs> Tell me, has, uh, has your father any pain? Has he? 
He keeps yelling he'll never be able to bend down and pick up anything again, but Ma says that's good. She says it's good that he can't bend down and pick up anything? Yeah, for years she's asked him to give up smoking. <laughs> Why don't you have a doctor for your father? Well, the doctor come and told Pa he could have one drink of whiskey after each meal. Well? Well, Pa's been eating 12 times a day and poor Ma can't get out of the kitchen. <laughs> Tell me, what does your mother say about his drinking? Well, last night she scared him by saying if he drinks any more, he'll turn into a mouse. <laughs> she told him he might turn into a mouse? Yeah. And Pa says, well, Ma, if you see me getting smaller and smaller, keep your eye on the cat. <laughs> Why don't you have him sent to a hospital or something? He went to one this morning, and he, he told the doctor that he ate 12 whole Easter eggs. 12 whole Easter eggs? Yeah. And uh, what did the doctor do? The doctor put the heat lamp on Pa's stomach for five minutes, and when Pa opened his mouth to say stop, 12 baby chicks walked out. You know, Mayor Cantor, I like the telephone girl very much on your program. Well, if you don't think she's a hit, you should read some of the letters that's come in on this contest. Most everyone does. Well, it would be interesting to know where you find these people for Texaco Town. Oh, you'd be surprised at the talent. Say, Eddie. Yeah. That comedian Eddie Stanley's down at the rehearsal hall. You want to take a look at him? Well, Jimmy, I'd like to go down and see what he looks like, but I'm afraid he might recognize me. Well, I'll tell you what you do. Put on this mustache and cap and yep. he'll never know you. Come on, Bentley. We'll go down to the rehearsal hall and look over this new comedian. Well, here we are. Let's go in. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's another one that'll kill you. This one's a Stanley special. Going to use it to open the act. I've got a brother in the furniture business who makes chairs with a crack in them, and he calls them traffic cop chairs. You know why? Why? Well, he calls them traffic cop chairs because if you don't park right in them, you get pinched. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get down to business now. You know what we're all here for? i got to find a stooge for the act out of you bunch. Let's see now. Um, uh, hey, you. You with a Popeye. <laughs> Oh, me? Yeah, you. You know something? You got a perfect puss for a stooge. Yeah. <laughs> a stooge puss I got all of a sudden, huh? Yeah, certainly have. Now, look, take the script and read the part marked stooge. You can't read, can't you? Well, how do you like me? To I'll go? tell you in a minute. Yeah. You see, I come on the stage and I say, hello there, Marble Eyes. Where I come from, we got grapes that weigh three pounds feet. My, my. You don't say it like that. No? You got no feeling. No feeling. If you're going to be an actor, you got to give from the heart. From the heart. Try it again. Yeah. My, my. That's all. <laughs> Look, I'll show you what I mean. Yeah. Suppose you come home at night after being away for three long months. Yes. You walk upstairs. Yeah. You see your wife. What do you think she's doing? She's snoring. No. no. You don't know your part. You don't know my wife. <laughs> Listen, I just want you to learn to say, my, my. Look, yeah. you've been away. You come home. You see your wife. You found that she's presented you with a bouncing baby boy. Now what do you say? My, my! My, my! Oh, you're terrific. 
You know, I can make an actor out of you, can you see? Well, some people say I do a fair imitation of Eddie Cantor. Cantor? You mean yes. my old pal, Canny? Canny? Sure. I call Jolson Jolie. Yeah. Call Penner Penny. Yeah, and you call Gene Hollow? Four times a day. <laughs> and, uh, Cantor, you call Canny? Why, sure. I gave Cantor his start in show business. You gave him his start? I even introduced him to Ida. You in... Sure, I could have married her myself, yeah. but I didn't want to marry a girl with rich parents. Ida's parents were rich? Rich? Why, her father had a string of polo ponies. If he did, I bet he kept them under his pushcart. <laughs> well, look, come here, kid. Uh, what song are you going to sing? See, I'll play the piano for you. Uh, Do you uh, know Dinah? No, no, but I know Ida. Ida... Sweet as apples. What, Ida? That old thing? That get away, that old thing. <laughs> you can't sing that. People don't know anything about Ida. Yeah, but they don't. They haven't got a radio. <laughs> well, look, if that's the only song you know, it's okay, because yeah. I can play anything. Yeah. Hey, fellas, bring that piano over here. Yeah. Now, look, just relax and take it easy. I'm going to put a whole lot of fancy runs and stuff in for you. You're going to play for me? Yeah, I'll play for you. Now, just take it easy. Go ahead. Go ahead now. I'm ready. I'm ready. Ida... Sweet as apple cider, sweeter than all I know. Come out in the silvery moonlight, I love to whisper, so soft and low. Dream though, can't live without... Hey, that's awful! Yeah, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean it's awful? You sound almost as bad as Cantor, if that's possible. Listen, if that's possible, I'd like to bet you $50. You wouldn't know Cantor if you met him face to face. Well, I'm not a betting man, but, uh... Here, make it a hundred. Here, here is the money. It's a bet. All right, wise guy. The hundred dollars is yours if you recognize Eddie Cantor when you see him. Well, thanks very much, Eddie Cantor. Hand over the hundred. I knew you the minute you came in. <laughs> Cantor, I'm certainly getting material from my paper as to how you get out of program. And to give the comedy a balance, we usually have Jack Renard and his orchestra play a number to keep up the tempo which we set at the beginning of the show.
Well, Mr. Cantor, I can see that it takes a lot of work to keep a program like yours up on top. A lot of work and a little luck, too. Sometimes comedy uh, just happens. Pardon me, Skipper. Yeah. I just opened up here a store, and yeah. I would like to give your radio audience a few samples of my candy. Yeah. But look, that's very nice of you, but people can't taste over the radio. No? Well, uh, how about I could give them some of my picture portal cards? Well, I'm sorry, but you can't see over the radio either. No? Uh, well, how about I can give them some perfume? My dear man, can't you understand? You can't smell over the radio. Mm, you should listen to yourself sometimes. <laughs> you see, sometimes comedy just happens. I understand. You take advantage of every opportunity that comes along. That's right. For instance, my friend David Selznick, the picture producer, has been trying to cast the screen version of Gone with the Wind. Nearly everyone in America has written in suggesting their favorite actor or actress for the parts of Red Butler and Scarlett O'Hara. Are you going to try to cast Gone with the Wind? No, it's a cinch to cast it for radio. In radio, we do things fast. Gone with the Wind is a southern story with a southern romance, right. and all I have to do is to find southern actors. I beg your pardon, son. Yeah. What is it, Reynard? I could play Red Butler... I come from the South. Yeah, you come from the South? Show now. Yeah, show now. <laughs> How do you like that, Jimmy? Can you imagine Renard says he's a Southerner? Well, Eddie, so is. We always raised together in Georgia. <laughs> you boys will never convince me you're from the South. The real Southern accent is soft and appealing, like beautiful music. I'll find an actor who can play Red Butler. I am <laughs> Are you back again? Sure no. I want to play in Gone with the Windbag. Yeah, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. You're no southerner. Well, what's my plantation? Why, I come all the way from Carline. North Carline? No. South Carline? No, the street Carline. <laughs> I knew you weren't a southerner, but I'll give you a dramatic test. All you have to do is to say, my, my. My, my. No, 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 no. Not you. You've got no feeling. You've got to put something in it. Look, here's the scene. You've been away for three months. You come home, and there's someone waiting for you. Sure, it's the collector for the furniture. No, no, no. No, look, it's not the collector for the furniture. You don't know your part. You don't know that collector? No, no. You walk in the house, and you find a man hugging and kissing your wife. What do you do? If it's the collector, it counts for one payment. Yep. <laughs> Forget the collector, will you? It's a strange man, and he's hugging and kissing your wife. What do you do? A strange I grab him by the neck. Yes. I knock him down. Hmm. I step on him. Yes. I pick him up again. I choke him. I yes. stab him in his yes. face. And I get him yes. by the throat. Yes, yes. Wait a second, but am I getting excited? I'm not even married. Yep. <laughs> well, look, I've got to have somebody to play the part, so I'll try you out. You play the hero, Rhett Butler. Okay. And the heroine, Scarlett O'Hara, will be played by our telephone operator. Operator, operator, where are you? Been standing here all the time. I didn't recognize you with your mouth shut. Come here. <laughs> here are your parts. I wrote them myself. Go on, Scarlett. Kiss Rhett three times. Go ahead. Hey, there. She only kissed me twice. Well, you know, a telephone operator, she can give you the wrong number. You know what I mean? Look. 
Now, now, Red Butler, you return her gift. Wait a minute, Scarlet. Wait a minute. What's the idea of shaking all over, huh? Well, I'm a telephone operator, and all my lines are busy. Yep, yeah, <laughs> All right, look. Let's, let's go on with the dialogue. Go ahead, Red. Give her, give her your line. Go ahead. Uh, say, sugar pie, meet me outside later. I got a big car and plenty money. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? What are you doing? I'm giving her my line. No, no, no. Give her the speech. The speech. What is speech? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. My friends, the time has come. No, 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 no. No, that's another fella. That's another actor. Look, listen, Red. Read, read what it says in your part. This is a love scene. Tell this girl how beautiful she is. Tell her you can't live without her. That you love to look in her eyes. And I couldn't be such a liar. Yep, read. <laughs> just read. Just read what it says. Scarlet? Yes? I think you all is the most beautiful person in the world. Yes? You loveliest creature that grows. Show sure no. Red, you all mean that? Tell me, honey, you mean it? No, I don't mean that, but who wants to fight with Kento the first time I'm on his program? <laughs> Go on with the play. Kiss him, Scarlet. I can't. He's got an ingrown face. <laughs> Kiss him. Kiss him. I don't want the part that bad. Oh, you two must get together. Red Butler, you're making love to the most beautiful flower of the South. Scarlet O'Hara. What's that? You're making love to Scarlett O'Hara. That's no good. People wouldn't believe it. They wouldn't believe what? Who would believe that a fella with my dialect would make love to a girl named O'Hara? Yep. <laughs> no, no. Let me show you. You take her in your arms like this. Yeah. And you kiss her like this. Yeah. And again. And again. Then she kisses you. And you kiss her again. And again. And again. <laughs> now... Now, do you get it? Do you yes, get it, Red? Yes, I think I know how to play the part. Too late. Now I think I'll play it myself. <laughs> My friends, in order to be fair to the 175,000 entries, which is coming for our telephone operator's name contest, we will have to postpone the announcement of the winner until two weeks from tonight, April 18th. You still have time to send in a name for our telephone operator and your reason for selecting that name. The prize will be a trip to Hollywood with all expenses paid for two people. You can visit the motion picture studios, the broadcasting stations, and dine and dance with the stars at the most important nightclubs. The contest closes Wednesday midnight, April the 7th. The judges are Rupert Hughes... Walt Disney, Burns and Allen, and their decision will be final. The name selected will become the property of this program. Send in your entry tonight to Eddie Cantor, mayor of Texaco Town, Hollywood, California. Good luck, and remember, good night. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Nine PM B U L O V A Boulevard Watch Time W A B C New York.